I said last week that the amazing thing about this book is that as you flip through it and as you read the stories in this book, you'll see that God, the creator of the universe, used people that we would never choose to use. We would have all these weird expectations and different things that they've got to fall in line in, and God looked down and he saw unfit saints and said, that's the type of people that I can use. <laughs> well, what's amazing about the people in this book is they weren't even looking to be used. They saw themselves by the labels that society had given them, liars, drunks, adulterers, murderers, and God looked down and saw them as unfit saints that he could do amazing things with. That they were far from perfect, but they were willing to be used by God. They were a group of people who just decided, hey, I'm not going to be controlled by my past. I'm not going to be labeled by my hurts, my habits, my hang-ups. I, I, I'm not going to be labeled by what society views me as. I'm going to be used by God because God's called me to be used. God isn't looking for the most qualified person. God's looking for the most available person. Let's start over today because it's hot. And so what I feel like is happening is, is you're acting like a white church today. I feel like, like I'm in a Presbyterian church or a Lutheran church and like I ought to be saying some Hail Marys or what. I, I don't even know what they do in those type of churches. So listen, I know it's hot. If you need to get a little naked out there, get a little naked. Just keep things covered. You need to throw some water on your face, throw some water on your face. But listen, let's wake up today, okay? That sucked. Let's wake up today. Hey. If you're in some dive crappy bar that was smoke-filled and was so crowded you couldn't walk around, you wouldn't be griping that it was hot. You'd be like, this is so good. We're in the house of God today. We get to gather together and worship the Savior who loved us so much that he sent his only son to die on the cross. So somebody say amen today. Because if we're going to be quiet, I'll pack it up and we'll go home. The band can come back up because here's the deal. I'm hot. I'm sweating in places I shouldn't be sweating in. Couldn't even get my contacts in today. I got a glare coming off the glasses. The wife's out of town. I'm in a foul mood already. So let's get back to preaching. I believe that was a little sermonette. If you're a first-time guest, he's got to deal with those every now and then. Those are called rabbit trails around here. So basically, the way things work around here is we got a theme... Then we rabbit trail over here, and we rabbit trail over here, and somehow we end back up on the sermon, and it works real good. And I'm going to try not to do that today because it's hot. We live a day and time where the church is ineffective. We live a day and time where church attendance in our country is in rapid decline. The average church in America runs 76 people in attendance. About 10 years ago, the average church in America ran about 90 people in attendance. That's embarrassing enough, and yet it's in decline. And I believe the reason the church attendance is in decline and why people are looking at the church and finding it ineffective is because we're only looking to use those people who have it all together. Those that are screwed up, messed up, don't feel welcomed in the church anymore. 
You got to look like we think you ought to look. You got to dress the way you think you ought to dress. You got to believe the way we believe. You got to love the way we think you ought to love. You got to cross this T and dot that I. If you do everything that we do and you know our insider lingo and our insider handshake and our secret this and our secret that, we might eventually open up our arms to you and make you feel welcome. We've made it difficult to be part of the church. And we wonder why people want nothing to do with the church. But as you read the Bible, you'll see that Jesus didn't operate like that. You'll see that God didn't operate like that. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I see a God through the pages of this book who used flawed people to do great things. In this room is the ability. In this room is the talent In this room is the skill to bring thousands of people to Jesus. In this room today is the people that could end hunger in our city, that could end drug abuse in our city, that could end homelessness in our city. The talent in this room literally has the ability to change our community. The problem is we don't feel that we're qualified to be used. Last week, we looked at a dude named Moses, and I talked about how we allow our insecurities to keep us from being used by God. Today, I want to look at a story that happens about 40 years later, and it happens as a direct result of the story last week. Let me give you a little background here. If you'll remember last week, I told you about Israel. They were in captivity. They were slaves to the Egyptians. God called a man named Moses to set them free. Moses fought God over his calling, if you remember that. He said, I'm not qualified. I'm not the right person. I'm a murderer. And God said, you're who I want to use. Eventually, Moses realizes God's right, and he's wrong. And hey, can I tell you, God always wins that argument. You can fight him, and you can argue him. He's going to win the argument. Moses gives in, he goes to Pharaoh, Pharaoh releases the children of Israel, and Moses begins out on a journey to take the children of Israel to the land that God had promised them. It was a 40-day journey from Egypt to the promised land. 40 days, 40 nights, and they would be in the land that God had promised to them. But along the way, The children of Israel got selfish. Along the way, the children of Israel started thinking about their own selves. The children of Israel got to where it was all about them. The children of Israel began to doubt God. And a 40-day journey took them 40 years. Because instead of trusting God, they were trusting themselves. Isn't that what happens? We're in captivity and everything's going wrong and we're calling out for God. God sets us free and immediately we think we got it. Hey, God, thanks for getting me free. I got it now. I I can do it on my own now. So they set out on this thing and they they wander around so long that Moses actually never gets to take the children of Israel into the promised land. He ends up dying. He ends up passing off the scene, but you need to understand something. Moses was a man... And the vision didn't come from a man. The vision came from God. So God appoints another person to take over. He appoints a man named Joshua. And finally, after 40 years, Joshua begins the process of now it's time to go claim the land that I have promised to the children. 
Now, here's the problem. In order to obtain this land, they had to go into battle. And one of the biggest battles to get the land that God had promised them was in a city of Jericho. And you need to understand, Jericho was a powerful city. It was surrounded by walls. And that day and time, the bigger your walls were, the stronger your walls were, the more prosperous your city was. The walls allowed them to protect their city from outsiders. So Joshua knows, man, we've got to go take this city, we've got to conquer, we've got to defeat Jericho, but somehow we've got to figure out how to do it, how are we going to do it with those walls around it. So Joshua says, you know what we're going to do? We're going to send two spies into Jericho just to get a lay of the land. This wasn't in day and time. Now, they couldn't pull up Google Satellite and get a layout of the land. They couldn't get on Facebook and look for some pictures to see the layout of the land. They had to send somebody into the city to scout out the land and come back and report. When they get into the city, they decide they're going to stay and they're going to hide out. And they find a lady named Rahab and they say, this is where we're going to stay. The king hears that they're there. He sends soldiers to kill these two spies. Rahab lies and actually protects the spies. Rahab goes out and becomes one of the greatest people in all the Bible. And I'm going to get into Rahab and who she was here in a minute. But you need to understand how important this act was. Rahab goes on. God saves her. Like I said, we'll get into that. She um, goes on to marry a dude named Simon. Simon becomes a, a guy who has a son named Obed. Obed marries a lady named Ruth. Ruth becomes the grandmother of King David. And actually in the lineage of Jesus, Rahab is listed. In Hebrews, she's actually in the hall of faith as one of the greatest people in all the Bible. This simple lady who protected two spies that allowed the children of Israel to take over Jericho. She's a key character in the Bible. She's a key individual in the Bible. Without Rahab, they never take over the city of Jericho. Without Rahab, there is no King David. Without Rahab, there is no Jesus. So as you're looking at this lady, you're going to think to yourself, man, this must have been a very spiritually powerful lady. This must have been an incredible lady for God to look down in the midst of Jericho and say, look at that saint, that's who I'm going to use. She's living the way she ought to live. She's got her act together. She's got it all figured out. That's who I'm going to use and you'd be wrong. Because Rahab had a past. Rahab had a story. Thank God for people with their past. Thank God for the story that we have. It's our story where God is, allows us to do spectacular. Thank God for the messes in our life. Because it's the messes in our life that God uses for our greatest ministry. Without your mess, there would be no ministry. The devil tells you that you can't be used. Your friends tell you that you can't be used. Yourself tells you that you can't be used. And God looks down and says, hey, I used all kinds of people. Have you ever heard about Rahab? So who was Rahab? Well, the first thing you need to realize is, is that there's Rahab the call girl. Rahab the call girl. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies in. Go look over the land, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab. And they stayed there. Rahab is mentioned by name in the Bible seven times. And five times of those seven She's referred to as Rahab the harlot or Rahab the prostitute. 
it would appear that Rahab was very well known for her profession. They always said, if you're going to do something, do it right. Apparently, Rahab said, I'm going to do something, and I'm going to do it right. She was known in the land for her profession. Normally, we don't label people by their jobs. That's my friend Kylie, not Kylie the painter. It's not Sally the teacher, Scott the plumber, Doug the handyman, Xander, the Georgia Tech graduate program enrollee this week. What is Georgia Tech shirt back there? It's the only time we'll allow a Georgia Tech shirt in this place. But Rahab is known by her profession. So Rahab the harlot. Rahab the prostitute. It wasn't just Rahab. It was always the profession attached to her name. She was known by her mess. She's living a hopeless life. I mean, think about this. She's living a life where people literally used her for her body. I'm sure she felt worthless. She felt looked down upon. She considered herself a second-rate citizen. I imagine that every woman in town hated her. And I imagine that every man in town treated her like trash. If you've ever done any study of women in the sex industry, you know that they suffer from very low self-esteem. In this day and time, women were already second-rate citizens. They were already outcasts. So you add to the fact that she was a woman and now she's a prostitute. (laughs) She was pretty low down on the totem pole. And the fact of the matter is God looked down and said, who can I use to protect the spies where my people can get their promise? And he said, look at that call girl. Look at that prostitute. Look at that outcast. Look at that person that everybody looks down upon. Bam! That's who I'm going to use. That's good news for us today because Rahab is a picture of Gary Lamb. Rahab is a picture of you. Your mess might not be prostitution, baby, but you got a mess. I've got a mess. We've all screwed up. We're all broke, busted, and disgusted. We've all got hurts, habits, hang-ups. We've all got something that somebody in this town, somebody in this city identifies us by, and it ain't something good. The Bible said for all of sin to come short of the glory. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. Listen, we are messed up individuals. And God says, and that's exactly who I want to use. <laughs> she was a flawed individual. She is someone who had made bad choices and would probably love nothing more than to be able to change those choices. Not only, think about this, not only was she in a hopeless profession, But she lived in a hopeless city. She lived in a city that had been slated for destruction. God's people were coming on the scene, and they were going to conquer Jericho. God had already determined that the walls of Jericho were falling down because he wanted to give that land to his people. I'm sure the people inside those walls felt pretty confident. They felt pretty safe. But here's the problem. God had already passed judgment upon them. He had already doomed them to destruction. The people of Jericho may not have felt that they were in great danger, but they were doomed nevertheless. Hopeless profession, hopeless city. And and here's what I 
find amazing as I was reading this. I would look down and say, there's the old harlot. There's the old prostitute. Who am I going to use? I think if I was God, aren't you glad I ain't God? It'd be fun for about a minute. As I'm looking out over and I'm trying to figure out who I'm going to use, i got to be honest with you, and I'm not trying to be judgy today, but the prostitute's not who I would have thought of. But that's why he's God and I'm not, because it made perfect sense to use a prostitute. It made perfect sense to use this lady. It made perfect sense to go out there and use her. As they were looking for someone to use, listen, this call girl, she was the person that God needed. Think about it. Joshua sends two spies into the land. They're outsiders. They need a place to hide. They need a place to go unnoticed. The first place most outsiders would go to when they came into a city was a brothel. They had been traveling for days. Men had needs. They'd come into the town. They were dirty. They'd go into the brothel. The brothel would clean them up. They'd be able to have a little bit of fun. It was an anonymous place. It was a place where the higher-ups of society would never walk into to look around. It was literally the perfect place for two spies to hide out. God needed the harlot to fulfill his purposes. (laughs) I'm here to tell you today. The biggest enemy the lie tells you is that you can't be used because of your label. God doesn't look out and see a harlot. God doesn't look out and see a divorced person. God doesn't look out and see an addict. God doesn't look out and see a junkie. God doesn't look out and see a drunk. God doesn't look out and see a liar. God doesn't look out and see an adulterer. God doesn't look out and see a thief. God doesn't look out and see an a-hole. God looks out and says, hey, that's somebody that I've got a purpose for, I've got a plan for, and that's somebody I can use. I say it all the time. One of my favorite verses, Romans 8, 20. We know that all things work together for good. Those that love the Lord. Listen, God has a plan for our life. And his plan for our life is not reduced by the label of our life. We love, we love to label people. God looks at us and says, man, look at that mess they've been through. Look at that hell they've been through. They're perfect for what I want here. Man, look what they... They didn't understand why they were going through this when they were going through it. But now they will. I never, when I went through the darkest days of my life, thought I'd be here today doing this. But it was God molding and shaping and preparing because God's ways are not our ways. God's plans are not our plans. And God has a plan in every move we make. And God's molding us and he's shaping us. And he doesn't look out and see a call girl. He looks out and says, that's somebody that I can use as long as they're available to be used. I'm here to tell you today that God wants to do something great in your life. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. There's a reason God brought you in this 90 degree building today where you swing that fan around, listen to a white fat boy sweat all over the place. It's because God wants you to know he loves you. He's got a plan for you and he wants to use you. We look for the most qualified. And God says, I'm just looking for the most available. I always tell this story. and people. I, I remember when I was in Bible college, 
I had a professor. This professor had four earned doctorates. He, he, he like, he was a genius on the theology of the Bible. And he was probably the most ineffective person I've ever been around for the cause of Christ. I don't know if in the last 30 years of his life he had ever been around somebody who didn't know Jesus. He couldn't help any of the Bible. I remember when I was in college, I'd go to him and say, man, I got a question. And he would talk so far over my head, I'd be like, I don't even know what I eat. I can't remember what I asked you. I remember that finally one time the pastor of the church I was going to invited him in to preach. And I went to an old hellfire and brimstone in the middle of nowhere Baptist church. Like the more you screamed and the more you hollered and the more you spit and the more you preached against women in miniskirts and rock and roll, the more they hooped and hollered. And they call it Brother Grinstead. And Brother Grinstead got up and he, to this day, I don't know what he talked about. Nobody knew what he talked about. But he did the good Baptist thing at the end of the service and he had an altar call. And nobody wanted to go down. And that don't go over in the Baptist church. So somebody's coming down. Are we singing forever? And he started getting mad and yelling at people. Somebody needs to come down. And I'm thinking, no one knows what you talked about to come down. Like, we don't know what we're confessing to come down for. I'm telling you, it goes on for about 25 minutes. And I'm like, I'm about to take one for the team. So I start going, that's just how my mind works, is worst case scenarios. I'm like, maybe he preached on this. So if I go down, that'd be me admitting this. I can live with that. Or maybe if it's this. And I was like, what, what? Like, if I go down, what am I admitting to? It got to about 35 minutes of just as I am. And I'm like, I'm going down. Because it was getting late, and it showed he was about to close. And back in the day, you had to get to the show because you couldn't go anywhere to serve alcohol. Because, you know, God wouldn't, you know, he didn't turn, he turned... He turned water into grape juice, not wine. Oh, sorry, I was getting ahead of myself. I was worried about my speech for Thursday at city council meeting. Hey. So finally I go down. I'll be danged if he don't come down with me. He's like, what are you confessing? <laughs> I finally said, I don't even know what you were talking about. I just came down where we could go eat. And a gas came over the whole church. Service was over and we got out of there. He said, what's the point of that story? Here's the point of that story. He was probably the most qualified person I'd ever met to communicate that message. But he didn't know how to communicate it. God's not looking for the most qualified. He's looking for the most available. He saw this call girl and she didn't stay a call girl. She went from Rahab the call girl to Rahab the changed girl. I love this. I mean instantly. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Instantly, she goes to living out her purpose. Here's the problem with the church. The problem with the church is we judge everyone. We say you can't be used. And if by God's grace you somehow hang around long enough, jump through our hoops, stand on your foot, twist and turn, and we think you've made it where you can be used, 
Now you got to go through our 14 week class on how to be used. Then you got to go through this to be used, and you got to do this, and you got to do that. Boy, we're going to check your tithing record to make sure you can be used. We got to know everything you believe and everybody you've ever done and everybody you've ever talked to and this and that before you can ever work over in the kids' area. And hey, do you drink and do you do drugs? Because God forbid, man, you had a beer last night and you're going to be the greeter at the front door. But man, we got to go through all these hoops and we go through a process. And God just looked at her and said, here's the purpose. She said, okay. And she went from the call girl to the changed girl. Instantly, we see her living out her purpose. Hey, she's still Rahab the harlot to everybody else. But to God, she's Rahab the called. She knew her purpose was bigger than herself. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family. This is Rahab talking, because I have shown kindness to you. She says, I'm, I'm going to hide you out. Don't worry, I'm going to get you out of here. We're going to see how she does that in a little bit. Give me a sure sign. She said, hey, I've done this for you, man. I know that your God is the living God. I know that this city is going to be destroyed. When it gets destroyed, just promise me you'll save me and save my family. That you will spare the lives of my father and my mother, my brothers and my sisters, and all who belong to them. And that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives. And the men assured her, if you don't tell what we're doing, We'll treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, go to the hill so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourself there three days until they return, and then go on your way. Instantly, God says, protect these people. She protects them. The king finds out they're there. We're going to find out a little bit, and they come looking for her. She hides them. She waits until the middle of the night. She lets them down by a rope. Thank God. God for the rope. Sometimes you just got to hold the rope for some people. That's a whole message right there. Man, you can't wear glasses when you're sweating. Instantly, she becomes the change girl. She begins to labor for the Lord. She hid the spies. She helped them escape. She instantly begins to love on the lost. Not only did she want her life saved, she wanted her family's life saved. See, once you meet Jesus... You can't help but start serving Jesus. Once you meet Jesus, you want everybody you know to meet Jesus. Because listen, 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 listen. You know that you know that you know he's changed your life. And you want everyone else to meet him and have their lives changed. Listen, that's why we exist. This church exists for those who don't know God. We understand it's not the church for everybody. But by God, it's the church for anybody. Anybody who's been shunned by church, judged by church, given up on church, not felt welcome in church. Listen, listen, listen. There's a lot of things we could tow down and draw a whole lot more people. But here's the problem. We didn't start this church for Christians. We started this church for those that don't know God. There's plenty of churches in this community that do a great job of catering to Christians. And that's awesome. But we knew there needed to be a place that was creating an environment where those who don't know God could come in on a Sunday morning and sweat because it's so freaking hot in here. But at the end of the day, be like, man, that church was weird. And I didn't understand it. But man, they loved me. They accepted me. They made me feel welcome. That's why this place exists. It exists for those who've been burned by church, that have given up on church. It exists for those who don't even believe there's a God. 
to come and at whatever it takes them, whether it takes them one week or a hundred weeks or, man, whatever, to come and be like, man, I'm just checking it out. Man, there's something different about those people. Man, those people are as screwed up as I am. But there's something different about them. She went from the call girl to the change girl. Man, Rahab the harlot, God used her in mighty, mighty ways. She went from... You know that they, Billy Graham says the, the biggest mission field in all the world is the church service on Sunday morning? <laughs> we got a lot of people just going through the motions, not being used to God because they don't feel that they're qualified to be used by God. She went from Rahab the change girl. She had heard all that God had done and that she wanted to be part of it. <laughs> she didn't just hear the word. She heeded the word. She put it into action. And, and then she became Rahab, the completed girl. Rahab, the completed girl. Her life was never the same. She helped them escape. She helped them go on their way. <laughs> now the men said to her, The oath you made, a swear, will not be binding Unless we enter in the land, you have tied the scarlet cord of your window through which you let us down. Unless you have brought your father, your mother, your sister, your family, the whole house. If any of them go outside your house in the street, their blood will be on their hands. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will, will be on your head if a hand is laid on them. But if, you, but if you tell what we're doing, we will be released from this oath. Agreed, she said. So check it out. They said, here's what you got to do. We're going to come attack. You're going to be part of the wall. Guess how we're going to attack? We're going to tear the wall down. You take a scarlet cord and you drape it out the window. And when we attack, we're going to know that's not a part of the wall that we tear down. And I say, anybody that you have in this house where that scarlet cord is will be saved. You know what that's a beautiful picture of? The fact that our Savior hung on a cross and dripped scarlet blood for you and I to forgive us our sins, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. She was the harlot saved by scarlet. She was a completed girl because she did exactly what God told her to do. God's told us what to do. He said, I've shed my blood as the price for your sin. <laughs> God had promised that the walls would not come down. And God's promised us he'll never leave us or forsake us. God can and will use those that are willing to be used. She was Rahab the call girl. Now she's Rahab the completed girl. God can use you. Here's the deal. I got a thousand other things to say, but I can tell, man, you're fanning, I'm losing you, and I don't want to lose you today. It's not, it's not worth it. I'd rather preach for 20 minutes and you remember that if God can use a prostitute, God can use you. You just got to be willing to be used. God can use you. But Gary, you, you don't know about my past. I don't care about your past. I'm just going to be as honest with you as I can. It's not one of my pastoral gifts, compassion. I, I'm not worried about it. But you know why I'm not worried about it? Because God's not worried about it. 
Gary, you don't know what I'm involved in today. I know that God can change you. I know that God has a purpose for you. You don't understand why you've been through hell in your life. And God looks down and says, because I was getting you ready. There's going to be a day when spies come into your life and you're going to need to hide them out. You don't understand why you went through that relationship with that abusive man and you can't understand this day until that girl is going to come along in your life who's in that abusive relationship and she's not going to understand how to get out of it. You're going to be like, man, I've been there, done that, got the scars to prove it. You don't understand why you struggled in your addiction and why you couldn't beat it and it took you so long because one day God's going to bring an addict in your life who doesn't understand how they can beat it and you're going to be like, let me tell you what I did. You don't understand why you stuck in that, stuck in that marriage and you, and you stayed in it when it was through hell and today it's great because God's going to send someone along in your life one day. And you're going to be the person that encourages them along the way to keep it together. You don't understand why you went through those financial times where you didn't have two pennies to rub together and you spent every last bit of money you had to go watch Dave Ramsey and got your money in line and all of a sudden now you're working the plan and the plan's working. Here's why. Because one day God's going to bring someone along in your life who's in the same position. You're going to be like, man, I, I've been there. Let me tell you what worked. There's been many days I've questioned God. God, why did I go through blank 10 years ago? And every time a pastor walks through those doors... I'm like, yeah, I've been there. Oh, you're not at your church anymore. I've been there. Oh, they fired you? I've been there. Oh, you didn't. I've been there. I wouldn't wish what I went through on my worst enemy, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. Because God has a plan for your ministry in the midst of your mess. The call girl, the changed girl, and the completed girl. And it's hot and we're done today. 